Welcome to the Interceptable Podcast, a.k.a. Hot Take Route, a.k.a. Toe Tap Tuesday with that Odell Beckham Jr. catch. Come on, you know when you saw him tap those toes, you thought of the podcast, right? No, I'm just, I'm just remembering, I think a few weeks ago you tried to do a Barry White impression, and I feel like now you can actually do it with this sickness that you're, you're carrying along. Oh, man. Um, God, what's a Barry White song? Why can I not think of anything? It's, I think we should let the listeners know it's very early in the morning for Zach right now. Yeah, it's 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 before eight eight a.m. and I also uh, I'm dealing with some allergy stuff right now from the move, so, uh, so yeah, my voice doesn't sound great, or maybe it does. Maybe it sounds sultry. Maybe it's sexy. Maybe I got that baritone. East Coast. Uh, we had a good week of football. Well, at least I had a great week of picking games. I went eleven and three. <laughs> eleven and three. Think about that. I think I got five or six. So, uh... I barely got. I barely got. I barely got two of them wrong. There's a reason I gave you a really long rundown today of stuff that's not picking games. We can avoid picking games because I'm not good at it. Oh, no. We're picking games. Uh, the We're so early on this in the week that ESPN's Picks Can Pick em does not have it. But our friends, our old friends, pattypower.com. Go to Patty Power for all of your gambling needs. Unless they're not really going to help us out with anything. Then don't go there. But Patty Power, get on board if you want. The Interceptable Podcast is part of the Counted Dings Network now. Officially, I think we're officially official. I got the ring from Jade and all. So, okay. you got. If, <laughs> I think people don't know, well, you probably do know this, but the only reason I kind of started doing work with Jade was because I liked all of his other podcasts first, and I thought he was the best producer on the internet. So, Jade does Back to Back, uh, which is a basketball show that Zach is part of. That's that, what, Wednesdays, Fridays now? And you've also got Black to Black, which is actually it's Black it's Opinions Matters. Monday Tuesday, now, so. Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday for for Back to Back. There you go. That's what podcast. I'm doing this read very well. I'm not reading anything. I'm doing it off the top of my head. So stick with me. Uh, and the podcast we were referring to a while ago is the Daily Ding, where Zach is going to do a recap of NBA nights uh, every night and every morning. What happened in, in games each night, which have been really good. I've listened to him so far. He sounds a lot more awake and alive on those pods than he does in this one right now. So it's worth tuning into. But stop getting was to talk about season-long things we were trying to talk about the first night, please. That would really help that podcast. I'm yeah. giving you feedback here. I'm, giving you, uh, my, I'm an expert podcaster, obviously. That's good, because I didn't want it. <laughs> and then you've got the Black Opinions Matter Mondays, which is on Monday and apparently on Thursday now as well, which doesn't make much sense when it's called Black Opinions Matter Mondays, which honestly... Well, we got Woke, woke Bros is on Thursday. So it's it's the the Waz uh, Michael Brooks show. I, I think good. this works really where, I'm, where I'm telling people about podcasts I don't know anything about. It's really good, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like a meme doing it. Yeah, no, but the the Black Opinions Matter Monday, like those guys can talk about stuff that I know nothing about as a white Irish dude who grew up with none of this stuff that they're talking about, and they will make it interesting. It's it's really really good. So I would tune into that. You'll get a meme. You'll get Trey. You'll get Mariano. You'll get all of the people you hear talking about basketball, talking about random other stuff too. The culture, I believe, is what they call it. It is I, a culture. I've never sounded whiter. No, you haven't. Um, but yeah, check those out. Check, check out the Daily Ding. It's a new feed. You don't get it on the back-to-back uh, podcast. So search da- uh, Daily Ding in iTunes or in uh, Google Play or whatever whatever podcast listening platform you've got. Um, and you'll get a 20-minute recap every night, early morning uh, for your listening pleasure. Catches up on the NBA because I know all you NFL fans are big NBA heads and, uh, and you want that news. By the way, speaking of sports consumption... How about signing up for The Athletic? The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. Model simple, no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos. That clickbait crap, we don't do that. 
that, uh, yo, oh, let me try to trick you into reading an article. No, you're going to get real stories, real articles, real analysis, uh, authentic in-depth coverage written by journalists who know the teams inside and out, goes beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analysis and deeper perspective about the teams and the leagues. Subscribers, you're going to get local and national content. That means it's like if you go across all sports, over 650 articles a week that you can consume. And here's the crazy part. You go to theathletic.com slash interceptable. That's the name of this podcast or one of the names of this podcast. Theathletic.com slash interceptable. You're going to get 40% off for the year. So it's $2.99 a month. It's, you can't, you're not going to get a better deal for any kind of sports coverage on the internet. You're going to get people like Mike Lombardi, Lindsey Jones, Jake Glazer, Ross Tucker, Ted Nguyen, Dan Brugler. Dan Brugler, that is. Didn't I just say that? No, you you read what's written down. They just got the name wrong. They got the name wrong. They have so many writers, they got the name wrong of one of their own writers. They have so many writers, Zach is fighting one of them without realizing he was working for The Athletic last week. So that's how much content you're going to get if you go sign up for The Athletic and use... I wasn't, I wasn't fighting anyone. No, he didn't come at me. A bunch, of, a bunch of dumb Eagles fans were trying to say like, oh my God, well this guy doesn't like Kean. I don't care. A lot of people don't like Kean. So go to theathletic.com slash interceptable, 40% off, $2.99 a month. Not going to find a better deal out there. A lot of people don't like Kean sounds like a name we could have had for this podcast. That's true. Yeah, that's true. All right. Should we get into this rundown? Yes, we should, because my live reads was bad, and you are selling the athletic a lot better than me and making me look bad. I am a professional. All right. I am a professional, he says, when he starts drinking. Yeah, I'm going to eat this bagel, too, after I tee up this game. Thursday night, this is going to be an awful game. This is going to be so bad. Miami at Houston. Houston, seven and a half point favorites. Yeah, well, so the Dolphins lost Ryan Tannehill, and that was kind of the end of their season, and you thought things couldn't really get much worse, but he is expected to come back at some point. And while he's been out, they've also lost Albert Wilson, and they've lost Kenny Stills. So Devontae Parker, whose agent recently came out and called Adam Gase incompetent, or might not have been incompetent, but he basically said that he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's now forced back into the field because he was inactive last week. He's going to be a key part of the offense on Thursday night. So it's Brock Osweiler on a short week against his old team. He can do a Brock revenge game, but it's going to be awful because they don't have Albert Wilson and they don't have Kenny Stills. So the offense is going to be terrible. So you look on the other side of the ball. The other side of the ball for the Dolphins defense, that matchup there is kind of problematic for the Texans because Xavier Howard is a long, athletic cornerback. He's going to be able to match up to DeAndre Hopkins. And then the defensive line there is going to be able to take advantage of the Houston Texans' weaknesses on the offensive line. This makes it a kind of a tough choice. I'm going to take the Texans minus the points just because Osweiler isn't going to have any weapons and he's Brock Osweiler. But it's not as kind of clear-cut as you would think for a team that's missing so many pieces on offense just because of how that defense matches up. Yeah, I think it's going to be so ugly that this is too many points. So I'll take the Dolphins with the points because I just think this is going to be like a field goal game. Like I don't, I just don't think that. I know it's Brock Osweiler, but this this Texans line, I have no faith in. This has to be like you've spent all season telling me how wrong I am with the Dolphins, and now you're picking them in a short week with everyone hurt against the Texans. I, I, it's a short week for the Texans too. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great argument. Thanks. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Eagles are three point favorites. Ah, uh, the Jaguars look awful. Blake Bortles got benched as a warning, and now he's spinning reps in practice during the week. That's, this is straightforward. The Eagles lost, but they looked pretty good overall. They lost because Cam Newton's great, and the Panthers were able to pull it out in the fourth quarter. I'm going to take the Eagles there. The Jaguars are a fucking nightmare. 
Yeah, the the Eagles are not a mess, and the Jaguars are a complete mess. So I'll take I'll take the Eagles and lay the points. So, I mean, Jaguars. What are we? What are we doing? The defense isn't even that good right now, right? The defense has been fine, but like you, you this is why they were ca- big candidates for aggression this year for me because you can't just win the win the game on one side of the ball, especially when that side of the ball is the defensive side in this league that favors offense so much. So. You had a small margin for error with Blake Bortles as your quarterback as is. So the defense needed to be absolutely dominant. It goes from being not absolutely dominant and just being really good and you start losing games. The people that want to talk about Leonard Fournette being up, but Leonard Fournette doesn't, doesn't really matter. Like, so they built their offense around the idea of running the ball. They didn't build their offense around the skill set of Leonard Fournette. Fournette, for as good as he can be in space and as good as he can be as a runner, He's not a dynamic player. He's not Todd Gurley. He's not Ezekiel Elliott even. He's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not someone who changes your identity of your offense. So him being out doesn't really matter that much and shouldn't impact the offense that much. It's just that that offense is kind of tootless. They've let Aaron, Alan Robinson leave. They let Alan Hearns leave. They don't have established weapons there. And they don't have a quarterback who knows how to run an offense. Look, Bortles got benched this week because he had two fumbles. And the first fumble... He literally just didn't see that the defense went to a three-man rush on third down. So he looks to his left, both of his receivers are covered. He looks to his right, both of his receivers are covered. He should stay in the middle of the pocket because it's completely clean pocket and leaves all the space. And he should locate the receiver running on the left side who's going to be open. He doesn't do that. He looks to his left, looks to his right, panics, runs into a, uh, runs into a defender, re- tries to reach out for the first down, and the ball comes out and it's a turnover deep in Jaguar, Jacksonville territory. So... The Jaguars are just a complete mess, and this is not unpredictable. This isn't a surprise. So it, it, last year felt like last year's team was dominant with the defense, but it also felt like it was going to be an outlier just because of how lopsided they were. Your boys, the Baltimore Ravens, are at the Carolina Panthers. The Ravens are two point favorites on the road. I've got to say, I'm kind of pissed off at Sean Payton right now because uh, the biggest matchup of the year, I thought the funnest matchup we were going to get all season was. That Ravens pass defense, I got 11 sacks in the, in, against the Titans last week, going against Drew Brees, who's had a phenomenal career, obviously, but also playing pretty well this year, and who was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. And Sean Payton's play calling completely took a quarterback out of the game. They ran the Whoa. ball. I think on the opening drive, they ran the ball 12 times, Brees threw the ball five times, and two of those five were screens. So it was like... I said this during the week that it was really conservative play calling from, from Sean Payton and someone argued, yeah, they went for it in fourth down four times and three times in the first drive, and which is a fair point, but I'm not talking, when I say conservative and aggressive, I'm talking about the types of plays they call, I'm talking about how much they ask the quarterback to do and how much they put in the running game and on the short screen passes and stuff like that, and he really just went away from the secondary, he didn't want to attack them. They had two vertical throws all game, I think. Obviously, they won the game and they came away with what they needed to come away with because Justin Tucker had that last-minute field or extra point miss, which is the first time in his life that's ever happened. Tom Abishro, <laughs> that's probably your fault. Uh, but I, I think the game plan just kind of took away from that as a whole. The one vertical route he had to Michael Thomas was often audible when he changed the play. Michael Thomas had two drops in that game. Overall, I think the Saints have kind of turned the corner, though, and they're going the right direction, so I think I'm going to pick the Saints. I'm also said that because I forgot who you said the Saints were playing, so I just went with the Saints. I couldn't remember who they were playing. Okay, yeah, we're talking Ravens at Panthers, so it's great that you're picking the Saints. We're talking Ravens at Panthers <laughs> in this game. Uh, yeah, so. I'm picking the Saints. <laughs> okay, Saints are going to win. Ravens at Panthers. Oh, uh, I, I, you look. I, I'm technical difficulties. All right, let's let's call it technical difficulties. Sure, I'm taking the, the Panthers. 
I'll take the Ravens. Uh, I'm just not. I'm not sold on this Panthers team for whatever reason. I. Wait, I don't you really just called them my Ravens, and now you're taking the Ravens just like you just did with the Dolphins. Hey, you know what? I went 11 and three last week. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Cleveland not. Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are eight point favorites. If I pick teams, team, if I pick teams that aren't playing in the games, my record would still only be five games worse than it was last week. That's not That's saying much. True. Um, the Browns should have won their first meeting in week one. They didn't. They had one of their overtime games or tied Had another overtime game last week. Uh, I just don't trust the Steelers team. But coming off a bye, like, with Antonio Brown, with Ben Roethlisberger, with going against that team where the, the Cleveland Browns don't have an offensive line, they don't have wide receivers, Baker Mayfield's been up and down. I'm going to pick the Steelers reluctantly. They're in this game, right? Steelers are in this game of Browns versus Steelers. Um, I I don't really like the Steelers team, and I like this Browns team probably just because of Hard Knocks and Baker Mayfield. I love me some Baker Mayfield. Like I just Shock. even when he makes mistakes, I'm like that's a great mistake he made. I just I love it all. So I'm I'm 100 in on him. I don't think he can do any wrong uh, unless something problematic comes out about him, and then and then I take all that back. But with this Brown, like I. What worries me in this matchup, because I think the I think the Steelers will win. I just think it'll be close. What worries me is I think Hugh Jackson said he needs to be more involved in the offensive play calling, which is a horrendous idea. You know what? I just talked myself out of it. Steelers minus eight. I'll take I'll lay the points. Hugh Jackson's real bad. Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are ten point favorites. They're ten point favorites, and like can you talk yourself into taking the Broncos? I can't. Like no 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 lay the point no the, no Case Keenum come on what are we doing we already had this He's, once already this year didn't we and they they beat them fairly comfortably as far as I can remember uh, look the Chiefs they're gonna go right through them the Von Miller like Von yeah actually I remember no Von Miller's one play he made in the in the previous matchup was at the goal line a running play he was not a factor as a pass rusher I don't expect him to be this time. The thing we've talked about throughout this year, though, they've got that extra little bit of rest because they played Thursday night last week and that defense looks really good, but Case Keenum still looked terrible. So I'm taking the Chiefs and I'm taking minus 10. I'll probably take it up to minus 14 and a half, minus 15 if if it was on offer. Yeah, I mean, I'll take a wealthy man's uh, Jeff Garcia and Patrick Mahomes. I'm calling him the Warren Buffett's Alex or uh, Jeff Garcia. That's what I call him. They play very. It's like it's like watching Jeff Garcia on steroids. Like, if Jeff Garcia was a great player, that's what I feel like it's it's like watching. I remember Jeff Garcia, but he was, like, slightly before my time, so I'm kind of yeah. like... As a 49ers this... fan, I was very into Je- the Jeff Garcia era. As a part-time uh, 49ers fan, you mean, once you transition to the Rams? The Rams are just you, uh, the actually, team I believe Walsh, in. Walsh gets the reputation as the guy who did this, when you're the one who's really done this, gone to LA and just being a Rams fan. What? What? You weren't a Rams fan before you went to LA. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a Rams fan now. I just recognize they're the best team in football. Sure. Uh, give me the Chiefs minus 10. New York sure, Jets yeah. at the Chicago Bears. Bears are seven-point favorites. Uh, there's no reason to believe in the Jets in this game, right? And that's why I'm a little worried they'll keep it close. Yeah, the belief you have in the Jets is that Mitch Trubisky still looks like he's a bit of a mess. Like He, he had a 400-plus yards and three touchdowns last week, and not anyone came away from that game thinking he played well. That's weird. I was just going to bring that up. It's like... He's putting up good numbers right now. Like his last like two, three games, really good numbers. And yet I walk away from watching these games thinking, I don't know how good he is. Like the numbers look great, but I just don't. It's kind of maybe like Case Keenum last year. 
in that I'm not saying that they're the same court, but just in that Keenum was putting up good numbers, but I never walked away thinking, oh, he's playing really well. He has, it's not just these strong interceptable passes, it's that they're egregious. You can see, like, there was one that went straight to the chest of a linebacker who had never caught, it was a linebacker or a safety. Safeties and linebackers at this stage are getting so big and so, so athletic that they won't look the same. I can't tell them apart. Normally, you used to be able to tell them apart just by looking at them. But they, yeah, they're all Janikowski size now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you never heard of Sebastian Janikowski nickname last week, by the way. Um, but he's he's got some egregious interceptable passes. I don't know his total numbers. I'm not going to have that until the offseason. But it's very clear his decision-making isn't right. His process isn't right inside, outside the pocket. It's, it's still going to work. But yeah, No, but you... Never mind. It's Seabass. What's your deferring to someone else for a nickname? That's unlike no, it's just, just That's just his nickname. I'm, I'm going to re-nickname him. All those nicknames were you legitimate. Re- you re-nicknamed Harrison Butker. He was buckkicker.com. You didn't like that. I'm going to take the... I guess I'll take the Bears. I don't think this Jets is any good. Yeah, I'm taking the Bears. You, you, you can't... Like, I know the Bears... Like we, we just talked about the quarterback issues, but the team has won in spite of them so far, and that team as a whole has looked pretty good, so I can't really pick them against the Jets. The Seattle Seahawks at the Detroit Lions. The Lions are three-point favorites. Yikes. I don't, want to, I don't want any part of this game. Yeah, let's just pick the Seahawks and move on. Ooh, I was going to pick the Lions and move on. Well, then let's do both. Okay, I'll take the Lions, you take the Seahawks, and we'll both be sad. Buccaneers at the Bengals. The Bengals are four-point favorites at home. Your Bengals are. Bengals are back down to earth, but... Yeah, I announced, I announced, because it's a very important thing, I announced on Twitter last week that I'm off this Bengals bandwagon. I just, they haven't played anywhere close to expectations on their defensive side of the ball. Big part of that is their cornerbacks not playing too. Uh, like Drake Kirkpatrick has been taken taken advantage of a couple of times. William Jackson hasn't been the dominant player they expected him to be. And at linebacker, you've got Vontaze Perfect, who is more interested in trying to break people's ankles and hurt people and actually play linebacker. And he just he, he's always been a little bit limited in this era. He's kind of a, a what I call a Stone Age linebacker, someone who's bigger, who can play the run, who isn't good in space. So... When you have a guy like that and you're trying to stop a team like the Chiefs or any offense at this point, really, everyone's trying to stretch, stretch the field and spread everyone out, it's very hard to do. They needed their defensive line to be completely dominant, and their defensive line hasn't been completely dominant. So as a whole, the defense needed to be better, but they needed to be better because the offense isn't good enough to hang with the, with the best offenses in the league. And that comes back to having Andy Dalton, uh, a miscast group of receivers, and an offensive line that's good, but not great. So... I'm not going to pick the Bengals probably the rest of the season unless they're play, playing, I guess, the Browns at home. That would be kind of one, one you'd go for. But outside of that, it's it's really hard to pick this team. <laughs> uh, I'm taking the Bengals. I'm laying the points because the, they're just, they just went from, going, from playing the Chiefs to playing the Buccaneers. This is going to be a wide open area for them. Like, this is going to be such an easy game that I think the Bengals destroy the Bucks. This Bucks team's terrible. Yeah, it is, but the matchups there are going to be problematic for them because the receiving, like I just talked about, the Bengals cornerbacks are not very good. The receivers in the Buccaneers are obviously quite good. Jameis, like, yeah, he's been pretty much what you've seen throughout his whole career, inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting from snap to snap. I just, I don't know, I'm just scared of this Bengals team right now. But like I said, I've tried to pick these games with logic so far and it's not working for me. So let's just abandon logic and just pick these games randomly. <laughs> Washington football team at the New York Giants. Washington football team minus one. Man, the Giants, 
like this week Eli Manning played pretty well and they still didn't win because while he played pretty well he missed key players he took a couple of sacks that ended drives well they put drives to the point that they couldn't overcome them it was like third and 21 he didn't throw the ball to Odell Beckham in the flat for what was an easy touchdown that was another key point of the game so even when Eli is playing relatively well they're still not going to win games Washington are a team you don't want to pick because it's Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson and the defense is good but it's not great it's not anything special but the Giants have been awful this year so I'm going to take Washington yeah, I'll take Washington too. Uh, Giants team, they're just, it's just a Beckham, Shepard, Barkley thing. They're just interesting enough that I'm going to keep caring about how much they lose by, but I, I don't, they, they would have to win this game. I don't think they win this game. Uh, Colts at the Raiders. The Colts are three point favorites. Your Colts are, you know, your Colts are trying. I'll give them that. Yeah, your boy Andrew Luck looked all right last week, didn't he? He would keep complaining yeah. about him, he can't throw the ball. And what is it, four <clears> touchdowns he threw for? Couple of big plays in there. Yeah, one many, over the middle. How, to how many? Hoops. How many of those? How many of those went over sixty yards? I mean, they all went in the end zone. <laughs> how, how wide is the end zone? How far away is the end zone? It's all that matters. Um, we're obviously not picking the Raiders. Let's be realistic here. Right. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, all right, man. We're flying through these. The Packers at the Rams. Rams are eight and a half point favoritos. The Packers at the Rams. So you've got an interesting... Packers have, a, Packers have a lot of rest. Yeah, and you've got an interesting kind of clash here because you've got that defensive line that just kind of ate the 49ers offensive line with Aaron Donald dominating the game. I doubt he's going to do that against the Packers just because of Aaron Rodgers and because of that Packers offensive line being better than the 49ers offensive line. No, I'm not going to pick the 49ers in this game. Don't worry, I remember which teams were in this time. Um... It's eight and a half for Aaron Rodgers is a very difficult number to look past as far as good as the Rams are on offense for as much as much as they've done on defense to be effective. I'm not taking that against or I'm not take, going against Aaron Rodgers when he gets that many points. So I'm going to take the Packers. What are we doing? Come on! Wait, did I pick a wrong team Rams, again? Rams are, no, 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 no. Rams are going to win by ten points. <laughs> what are we doing? The Rams are going to win by ten points. So they're going to cover by two and a half. Oh, what? I mean, Rams are going to win. One so. and a half. Uh, San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are one-point favorites, despite last week Josh Rosen going 21 of 39 for 194 yards, was sacked six times, had a touchdown, but also threw three interceptions, five yards per attempt, a 44.2 rating, a QBR of three. <laughs> uh, are those good numbers? Yeah, they're pretty good. Okay. See if I if I just if I just lie straight to your face. I would, li- I, would, I, would, I would like the 49ers to win or to lose competitively, but I I don't have any faith in this Cardinals team to actually be confident. Do you know earlier when we were talking about how uh, NFL fans should be basketball fans? This game is what. Right. Uh, they, these are bad teams, <laughs> and these are teams I don't want to watch. And these both of these teams should want to lose this game. And I'm gonna take flip of a coin, basically, because I think they're both bad. I'm gonna take the Cardinals just because they've had a little bit of extra rest. And I think the Broncos are far better than the 49ers, so it's gonna warp the perception of them a little bit that they'll have an easier time against the 49ers defense. I like the way the 49ers are playing, though. I mean, they got killed by the Rams, but for the most part, even with all the injuries, like they're they're way more competitive. CJ Beathard is not good. But he's not horrendous. <laughs> he's in that uh, Cody Kessler playing Gabbert backup range yeah. where they come in well, and they fool you for a while. Better than playing Gabbert. 
Yeah, they fool you for a little bit. They fool you for a while, uh, and then you realize, then you very quick, very soon, you remember why they're backups and why they're going to destroy your offense. Right. Uh, game of the week, Sunday night, New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. Saints are one point favorites. Now you took the Saints earlier in this podcast when it was Ravens and Panthers. You still stand by that pick. <laughs> Um, it's kind of tough to play two games in one day, probably, especially if you're playing the Vikings. Uh, it's an interesting one because we've seen this Vikings defense dominate quite a bit lately. They've been really good lately, but we've also seen how they can be picked apart and attacked by the Rams and by the Bills. And if you've got Sean Payton there, I know I criticized him earlier on the pod for not being aggressive and not opening the offense up, but that was literally just about my entertainment. It wasn't about winning the game. He probably made the right decision in terms of trying to win the game. I think he'll probably go to a lot of play action. He'll probably move the ball uh, horizontally, move the ball laterally a lot, which will pull the Vikings' defense apart. And offensively, the Vikings were fucking woeful last week. I know they finished with over 30 points, but in, it, a lot of that was the Jets' offense being unable in, in to move or on, on, incapable of moving the ball. So last week, the Vikings had 10 points in the first half on nine drives. They had nine drives in one half. That's a full game normally. And a big issue was Kirk Cousins was making bad decisions, making bad throws. I know it was windy or whatever, but they weren't able to move the ball well enough. In the second half, it all figured itself out, but it's because the Jets gave them that many chances. The Saints aren't going to give you that many chances. You have to move the ball. You have to keep pace with the Saints, and you have to be able to uh, contain Kamara on the other side while, while they're doing all this horizontal misdirection plays. I'm going to take the Saints, and I think the reason I'm taking the Saints is it's a matchup problem for for the Vikings and I know you can argue the other side of this where Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are matchup problems for the Saints but it feels like the Saints with their defense as a whole is going to be able to contain the Vikings a lot better than the other than the other side where the Vikings defense is going to have struggles just keeping up with Sean Payton's play calling yeah I I think the Vikings are kind of riding the ship for the most part but the Saints team I just think is better and and Here's the annoying thing is we're going to have so many revisits of the Stefan Diggs play. Like, That's it, I, I mean, that is going to be the entire week. And it's great. It was a phenomenal play. Like, that's an all-time amazing. What a great, incredible moment. And yet, it's just going to be hitting us over the head over and over. And this will sound dumb. This is dumb analysis. But because we're talking about that play so much, I think the Saints have a little bit more fire under their saintly bellies and I think they're going to come out and win by probably a touchdown so here's the thing about that play it's an all time great play in the sense that it's great drama and stuff like that but it as a play is like it's just a bad mistake for Max Williams like there, there's, it, there's no there's no great throw in there there's no great catch there's, not, there's nothing special about that play it's just Marcus Williams and Max Williams has kind of spent this season trying to make up for that play, I feel like. He's been more aggressive than he needs to be. So I actually think the opposite there. That's going to work against them if they get too riled up on defense. Oh. Like, I, th- I think oh. he's going to be trying to make statements and trying to jump routes and trying to deliver hits. But it's just... Like, obviously, you try to do that anyway. All defensive backs, all, all their defensive backs will. But I don't think being that amped up and thinking about stuff like that is actually going to help you. Is there a huge difference between Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins? Nope. That was my whole point in the offseason. They, they spent $60 million guaranteed for three years to get the same guy. There's actually... Okay, uh, let, let, me, right. let, no, let, me, let me explain that a little bit, extrapolate on that a little bit. There's a very different style up to them. So Case Keenum's going to get outside the pocket. Case Keenum's going to make aggressive decisions. He's going to extend plays, and he's going to do all sorts of ridiculous things outside the structure that you don't want your quarterback to do. 
Okay, uh, Kirk Cousins is going to always be getting the ball out at the same time. He's always going to try to play inside a structure. He's going to mostly stay in the pocket unless he's pushed out of the pocket by design. The differences in style, the level of quality, the level of results of what you're getting is basically the same. Yikes. And this then is why Monday people hate night, me. This is why people hate me. That's why? Yeah. Uh, Monday night, what an awful, awful game. The New England, unless you like watching Tom Brady do stuff. New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. Patriots are 13.5 point favorites. Patriots. This is another, I had a great stat from uh, Vince Verhey, who I used to work with at Football Outsiders. There are 32 quarterbacks this year who have thrown three interceptions. Guess how many of the Bills have? <laughs> three. I would guess two. They have three, who's, somehow. Who's the other one? Well, Derek Anderson threw three this week, didn't he? Oh, okay. Wow. Nathan Peterman, Josh Allen. Derek Anderson. I assume. Yeah. I didn't check it out. I assume he's right. He might be wrong, but I assume he's right. Don't ruin this good stat I have, right? That's a good stat. It's a really, really good stat. Thanks. All right. Let's get to... You want to do top three, middle three, bottom three? And then we'll uh, do questions? If we have to. Bottom three. Who's your 32nd team? I mean, if you have a team that has three quarterbacks throwing three interceptions of 32, I'm pretty sure you've got to be the worst team in the league. That's, yeah, we both have the, well, this Cardinals team's pretty bad. <laughs> Your hatred for no, Josh Rosen can't start- blind you to Derek Anderson being a starting quarterback right now after not being in training camp for the start of the season. All right, Bills are the worst. Somehow they have two wins. Uh, 31st is the Cardinals, right? We can agree on that. Yeah, for last week's game, you're going kind to of have to... No, 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 there. Raiders. Raiders Raiders are the worst team. Raiders are 32nd, Bills 31st, Cardinals 30th. But I feel like the Raiders, like, they would still beat the Bills in a game, no? No. Where? In Oakland? Sure. In Buffalo? <laughs> Actually, I'm just, I have the standings in front of me again, so now I'm looking at your... Uh, your favorite uh, point differential? Do, yeah. you, do you know how far behind the Raiders the Bills are in point differential? Uh, I don't know, 20, 20 points? The Bills are minus 94 and the Raiders are minus 66. The Cardinals are minus, <laughs> are minus 92. To be fair, a lot of that is they got blown out in the first two weeks, or first week and a half, really, because uh, Sean McDermott took over play calling at the halftime of week two, as far as I remember. Uh, so I that's probably a little bit misleading, a little bit unfair. Yeah, so let's go Raiders, Bills, Cardinals. Raiders, Bills, Cardinals. Yes, we, we agree on that. All right, middle middle three. Um, who's, who's your 17th team? I think I'm going to have to go with the Chicago Bears just because I still don't trust that quarterback. I'm going Ravens. Eh, they're better than that. Nah, they're really not. 16th. Uh, actually, I should not put the Bears that low. That was too low for the Bears. I'm gonna. Uh, who am I gonna go? Sixteenth. I'm gonna go to the Packers. Ah, uh, ooh. I was. I'll go Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are perfectly average. Yeah, I think I've got this wrong. I need to move the sh- the Bears and the Packers up one spot, and probably put the. Jaguars at 17th because that defense is still going to be pretty good even though the offense is going to be a nightmare. And then uh, your 15th team? No, I, I, I put the Jaguars 17 to move the other two up. Oh, move the other two up? Okay. 
15th for me, I'll go Titans. I, I'm so sick of this Titans team. And Mar- Marcus Mariota threw his first uh, red zone interception. Congrats. On a tip ball. On a tip ball. How? I mean, come on, man. That's you got to be better than stats. that. It's a, it's a really dumb stat. Who's your top? Who's who's your third best team? That's pretty much all we're doing right now, isn't it? It's the Rams and the Chiefs are one <laughs> two. I mean, I don't want to do this, but I think I'm going to have to say the Chargers. What? Hold on. You gave me so much shit for thinking the Chargers were good in the preseason. And then seven weeks in... Yeah, I'm not going to Chargers are the third best team. No, I'm not going to fix Chargers. I can't do the it. The fact I can't that you do it. threw it out there is so infuriating. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Saints. It's too obvious. It's three. The Rams, the Chiefs, and the Saints are at the top, and that's kind of it. Like, who else are you going to argue for? Yeah, Saints are third, Chiefs are two, Rams are definitely number one. That's why this segment is dumb and is a terrible idea by you. I just want to reinforce every week that the Rams are the best team in football. Then why don't we just have a segment every week where you go, the Rams are good, and I go, okay. (laughs) That can be our segment moving forward. Brought to you by The Athletic. All right, uh, we've got... (laughs) Uh, we've got listener questions to round out this podcast, uh, so let's get to our, our mailbag. Um, this is a great question. Well, you didn't put who these are from. Um, okay, then that's a rookie error. By me. <laughs> All right, next week I mean, we'll, like, we'll let you know. We'll let you know who asked these questions this week. Who knows? I can, I can get if it pretty committed. easily. It's in my Twitter timeline. Hold on. If he committed a year, no, we've got fifteen minutes. Let's get out of here. If he could. Committed a year of everyday workouts to it. Could talk hoops, me, be an NFL kicker? Now, I've never kicked a football in terms of like trying a field goal before. I've punted before, but I've never, never tried to kick a field goal. But I'm really good at kickball. So I think give me a year of workouts every day. Yeah, I could do it. That question was brought to you by Vic Menzo at Forever Cali. See, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm under, I'm, I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. Um, you think I could do it? I, as, as we've spoken about previously on this podcast, I believe Americans aren't capable of kicking things I've properly. Really, I've got really strong legs. Okay, so here's like my... My legs are naturally yoked. Okay, but here's my question. When you, you say you play kickball... Do you want to see him? I can't see, see him. I, can I have your video shirt. turned off, thankfully. Um, you, you didn't notice that. You've had your video turned off all the way through this. Um, I, so here's my, my video's thing. on. I don't know what's wrong with your thing. I see myself. Well, I'm not seeing you, so... Um, Right. Either way, this is great podcasting. <laughs> well, here's my question. When you play kickball, where do you line up? To the side of where you're going to kick the ball, or are you a straight-on kicker? No, the side. So you're, where are you hitting it with? The top of your foot, the front of your foot, the inside of your foot? The inside of my foot. I just, I, I need to see this. I, I just can't trust you. I don't believe you're capable of doing this. I don't believe Americans naturally have the ability to kick things, and that's why your soccer team sucks. Yeah, Adam Vinatieri, he's real bad. Yeah, but he's a football kicker. That's that doesn't count. Yeah, like being an NFL kicker, this is like might be my hottest take on NFL kickers is not to have a. Cairo Santos, Cairo Santos played soccer, right? He's he's got a job right now. Oh wait, no, he doesn't. Greg Zerline, he's American. He's yeah, pretty he's good. Greg the, Greg the leg. Greg the leg. You people are racist. We all know this. Um, the <laughs> I just got the we tried it with Martin Gramatica. How'd that go? <laughs> but I've forgotten what I was going to say at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Next question: How big of an impact would Patrick Peterson have on a below-average Steelers defense? 
So if you want to get Artie Burns out of there, so this question is from Joseph, Jote Fun, at Jote Fun, what a weird name. Um, if you want to get Artie Burns out of the paint, as basketball people like to say, that would have a huge impact on the Steelers' defense, but it would mostly just move teams to attack different areas of the Steelers' defense. If you uh, if you put Patrick Peterson on that team, him on one side, Joe Hayden on the other side, you've got two cornerbacks who have very, very good ball skills, two cornerbacks who can play in different coverages, who are going to be effective in different coverages. But my general thought on Patrick Peterson is he's a 28-year-old, he's owed a lot of money, and he's he's never been Darrell Rivas, he's never been Richard Sherman, he's never been one of the top, top guys. He's just been someone who's talked a lot, I guess, someone who's put himself on that level. He's decent, he's not special. So does he, what it would cost to get him, it's just not worth it. Yeah, he would make the Steelers' defense better, but there, to be honest... There are a lot, a lot of players who would make the Steelers' defense better because that defense is a bit of a disaster. Yeah, they suck. Next question. Is Tom Brady showing any decline? So here's the thing. I, and this is from Andy Berman at Berman AP. Uh, so I tend not to cover Tom Brady all that often or write about Tom Brady all that much because if you, so if you see me not talking about Tom Brady, it means that Tom Brady's playing well. Because there's no point. Like, you want what you want me to do? Come in and say, right, hey, we, Tom Brady's good. Did you know that? Everyone, hey, Tom Brady's good. So I have not Yeah, he's written, the second greatest quarterback of all, all time. He's the third best quarterback of all time. But right now, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Okay, third. Yeah, it's a very important, very important distinction We to know make. Joe Montana's first. Uh, Joe Montana's number one. This is like when people start arguing for Bill Russell. I've never watched him play, so what do I know? Um, oh, my God. Let me tell you about Joey Montana. Oh, Cool is that's why they used to call him iceberg. They never called him iceberg. No one's ever done that until right now in this moment. But he was the best, like cool under pressure. It didn't play in, in an era where they're throwing the ball a whole lot yet. Like just peppering. Oh my god, those, those Bengals defense in the in the Super Bowl just peppering. Like a like like a waiter serving you a salad. Would you like some pepper on that? Yeah, he's peppering touchdowns all over the place. Jerry Rice slant across the middle. Boom, West Coast offense. West Coast is the best coast. This is what happened every single week. Joe Montana, Johnny Taylor, Roger Craig out of the backfield, Dwight Jones, or Dwight Clark, not Dwight Jones, Dwight Clark, uh, uh, with the catch in the back of the end zone, like everything. They pumping. Here's the great thing about the catch is the pumping. He like he's scrambling to his right. Dallas defense is trying to is trying to swarm him, and he just a little pumping. All of a sudden, everyone's off kilter, just completely off kilter. Boom, back in the end zone. Joe Montana, best ever. Go. What were we yeah, saying about Tom Brady? Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady are all better than him. Peyton Manning sucks. What? This is your take? He was terrible. He's a compiler. You are oh my god. This is like this is like he, you, know, you know, actually, you know what? He was really he was really good until he got into the playoffs. So um, he, maybe he's the best regular season quarterback of all time. Oh, cool. Cool. That's a good distinction. Oh, he's DeMar DeRozan of quarterbacks. Great job. This is like this is like arguing against LeBron. You you have no idea what you're talking about. Right Next now. question: QB that has improved the most since last season. QB that is disappointed. Oh damn! I meant to actually research this one to figure out where I was going with this. <laughs> but um, the one who was disappointed, just, I think, just instinct off the top of your head, and dis- we'll revisit again next week. I think disappointed obviously is uh, Mitchell Trubisky because you expected him to take a step forward. He played really well as a rookie. He was really really accurate. You kind of thought he was going to be. Someone who could thrive, like, uh, yeah, I guess you can argue he has thrived in that offense, but 
Like, if you just look at the numbers, sure, he's tried. But if you actually look at what, what's happened with them and how they've played week to week and their consistency drive to drive, he's obviously been really disappointing. As a guy who was one of the best quarterbacks, like one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league last year and a really bad offense, really difficult offense, it's pretty disappointing, to be honest. But uh, who has played better this year than last year? I think you'd probably throw Joe Flacco in there. You'd throw... Uh, Philip Rivers is doing better this year than he was last year. Um, Goff is taking a, step, a smaller step forward, not a huge step forward, but a step forward. Small, and smaller step forward. Yeah, best quarterback he, on the best team in football. He's the best quarterback on the best. So he's better than Sean Mannion. Is <laughs> um, and Brandon Allen. But I think Cam Newton has kind of endured a couple of rough years, and he's come back to being. Cam Newton again. They're not throwing the ball deep. It's a very different type of offense, but I think he's done better this year than he has been in previous years. So I think he's the guy who, oh, compared to last year, has taken a step forward. It's kind of difficult because you've got you've got a bunch of rookies starting right now. You've got a couple of backups in. You've got guys who didn't play last year. So your actual options to pick from aren't that big. I'm gonna go Peterman. Uh, I think Nathan Peterman has. All right, maybe he hasn't improved, but he's shown that that consistency, what we expect out of him, like the uh, fact that you can deliver uh, that quality every single week, that's hard to do. Sometimes you accidentally complete passes to teammates. I'm he pretty, doesn't. I'm pretty sure the way to go was I'm taking Peterman and then moving on. You ruined your own joke. We'll fix that in post. What's the best case scenario for Teddy Bridgewater over the next 12 months? Um, so... Can you tell I'm looking for the name? There we go. Brandon Warren uh, asked us this question. So Bridgewater is in an ideal scenario right now because he doesn't have to play and he's got this contract that's kind of like, from, from a financial point of view, from a life point of view, he needed to get this contract and kind of stay on, on the team for a while and prove that he was healthy so he could hang around and make a little bit more money because he was on a rookie deal at the end of the first round. It's not like he's set for life already. Um, but from a football perspective... Like, ideally, ideally, Drew Brees retires at the end of the year and you're the Saints' new quarterback. But uh, do we expect Drew Brees to retire at the end of this year? Probably not. So I think the ideal, the ideal route for them is Bridgewater gets franchise tagged in the offseason. He gets to sit again for another year or the Saints look to trade him because it probably, it probably will be difficult for them to keep him just financially. But they either franchise tag him in the offseason, tr- uh, keep him as the backup or trade him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've already talked about Blake Bortles being terrible. The Jaguars need a quarterback. The Jaguars, and actually, if we're talking ideal, ideal situations, the Jaguars have changed their regi- regime. They've gone to a new coaching staff, not this run-oriented, dumbass Doug Marone offense. They've gone to an actual open, spread-out offense that Teddy Bridgewater can, can immediately slot into. Hopefully, he goes to a team that is going to embrace the idea of him as a starter, not have him compete, not have him come in with a rookie, a first-round rookie, where you're kind of splitting up what you can invest into the roster. So. I think if he winds up as the Jaguars quarterback with that defense, with uh, the opportunity to build weapons and build an offense around him, that could be something that would be really, really good for everyone. Why are the Bengals sucking so bad? You kind of covered this earlier. Yeah. Who? All right, last question. Who do you believe is the best NFL running back? And that includes Le'Veon Bell. Um, I'll I take think- this one. Saquon Barkley. You're going with Saquon? You're a Rams homer. What are you doing? Uh, if he had the offensive line that <laughs> You know that what this is. You, know, you, know, you 100% has. know what this is. That's the running back you saw most recently, and he made highlight plays. You're like, oh, I'm going to go with him. That's probably true. But if he had, also, you got to admit, if he had the, the offensive line that, that Todd Gurley has, 
he'd be doing some things. So here's the interesting thing about Saquon, and it was very much the case at Penn State. I believe he played at Penn State. The athleticism he has is ridiculous, and it is at a level that we've probably never seen before. Like I know you can talk about guys like Bo Jackson in the past who were obviously freaks at the time, but this guy is a freak right now when everyone's a freak. And you can just like they had the ESPN had the the numbers up of all the records he holds, all the physical achievements he holds from his college days, which is fine. But that stuff doesn't always translate. You can very clearly see it's translated on the field, and you just see the ability to change direction in an instant, to change direction and get to an acceler- or accelerate to his highest speed within two steps. And you combine that with the ability to break these tackles from any position on the field. A lot of the time, you're breaking tackles because you've already got an advantage, you're already in space, you've already got the defender off balance. He breaks tackles through sheer physical ability. But, he also has made a couple of questionable decisions where he's running the ball. He also doesn't show off the ability to manipulate the defense before the line of scrimmage to set them up to move after the line, or past the line of scrimmage. He's still someone you need to see him kind of prove that he's a great you, running back. You know what he's manipulated? At least. It's manipulating those quads. I was going to say something quads, else. Quads, I didn't say quads, look like, quads look like a mountain range. A mountain range? Seriously. Yeah, it looks like, look like the Alps. <laughs> that sounds like he's got tumors or something. That doesn't sound like, like <laughs> It looks like he has tumors. Those quads, are you kidding me? Hold on a second. How many how many spikes do you have? Like how many he's, points he's, got, he's about to average... He's about, about, with all of those tumors, he's about to average benign yards a carry. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a place to end the podcast. <laughs> cancer jokes that's what we've got for you guys no benign it means it's not cancerous <laughs> it's still a cancer joke <laughs> <laughs> oh man what are we doing alright that was a good episode